Well, welcome to Under Moxie with Fred Wellman. I am Fred Wellman. We're coming to you from Half Coast Studios in beautiful St. Louis. You know, we're sponsored now by our friends at Vi Media. So Vi Media is an award-winning digital marketing agency right here in the greater St. Louis area. They're a marketing partner that generates proven growth for their clients in a variety of different industries within the greater St. Louis area and now nationwide. So they can serve all of your digital needs and all your marketing efforts. And I hope you'll give them a call. Check out Vi Media at uh, vi.media. That's V-I-E dot media on the web. They're a great partner for us and, uh, and also the home here of beautiful Half Coast Studios. As I mentioned last week, I'm so excited to bring the new season, the new format of the show to you uh, on all the different places you can find your podcasts and, of course, now on YouTube, which is why you can see me. As the name implies, On Democracy is a weekly discussion of the state of our democracy. My goal is to bring you the top voices you've heard of from, you know, top advocates, politicians, experts, journalists, academics. But really, I also want to prevent the, present you the voices maybe you haven't heard of before. You know, maybe you don't know somebody, but they're in our fight. They're in the fight for our democracy every day, and you should know their work and their work matters. So I'm thrilled to bring them all to you. We'll be presenting new episodes weekly right here, wherever you get your podcasts, as I mentioned. Of course, I hope you'll subscribe us to, uh, to us on YouTube and all the places you get your podcasts. And with that, uh, let's get on with the show. Well, welcome, 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 and I'm your host, Fred Wellman, as I mentioned, I'm so glad to have you here for the show. This is On Democracy with F.P. Wellman, the show where we talk with smart people who are fired for our democracy every day. We have a really cool show for you today. I'm excited about the show today. It's our first one of the guests in the new studio, so my friend Chris gets to be the first. Uh, I, uh, a really great, smart guy, and I hope you get to know him well, and you'll, you'll, you've probably already seen him, Frankie. He's always on TV. He's on TV more than I am, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> also, he has a magnificent beard. <laughs> so, you know, this morning, as I was preparing for the show, and by the way, Chris, welcome. He's right here, so we'll... Uh, We'll say hi. So it's good to have you, man. Welcome to the show. I love the I love the setup. And you're up in New York, right? Up in the New York area, greater New York area. I am. All right. Yep. I love it. Well, welcome to the show. So, you know, Chris, this morning as I was preparing for the show, I I caught a new call from Jennifer Rubin in the Washington Post, uh, which I have a subscription to because I pay for good journalism. And uh, New York Times, which I know is dear to your heart. Uh, it was a survey from the Public Religion Research Institute, which uses 11 questions to gauge, gauge people's views on racism. And they use statements in these surveys such as uh, white Americans today are not responsible for discrimination against black people in the past. And then from there, the pollsters use those answers to quantify what they call a structural racism index, which is uh, pretty, pretty scientific, I imagine. But I'll tell you. The data is disheartening, but unsurprising, Chris. The uh, Among all Americans, the median value on this index was 0.45. So, you know, halfway uh, near the center. The median score on the structural racism index for Republicans, self-identified Republicans, was 0.67 and 0.45 for independents and really just 0.27 for Democrats. So put differently, Republicans are much more likely to buy into the notion that white people are victims. Now, it goes, out, goes on to break various religious groups and approaches, and especially interesting for me and for our conversation, Chris, is uh, the, the, the attitudes towards the Confederacy and its symbols, right? The contrast between white Republicans and white Democrats is stark. Uh, nearly 9 in 10 white Republicans, which is 87%, compared with 23% of white Democrats, support efforts to preserve the legacy of the Confederacy, Okay. <laughs> There's so much to unpack there, and I hope you'll check out that column. Uh, it's right there in the Washington Post and, and of course, the, the Institute. But that's why I really wanted to have Chris Goldsmith on the show today. 
Uh, we face a moment where we div the divide in our country is really stark, right? Racism continues to lead to violence. A huge part of that is the rise of white supremacist militias and others. And our guest, Chris, has dedicated his life, frankly, at this point, to find this dangerous movement that echoes past fascist movements. Now, for context, so everybody understands, I've known Chris for a while, right? Uh, several years, due to the incredible work he's been doing on behalf of veterans before all this, frankly, which is kind of what led into this one I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about. Uh, he did a, some important work on PTSD and, and how the military treats those who have it, both in service and, frankly, afterwards. Um, giveaway, they treat him like shit. <laughs> but, you know, but uh, he's been a passionate activist and leader for the veterans community. And he's still in the fight now. Uh, so who is our guest? Chris Goldsmith, the nation's, frankly, is the most recognized authority on targeting of American troops and veterans with disinformation and extremist recruiting efforts by hostile foreign and domestic entities. Now, after leaving the army, at the rank of sergeant, he began in 2007, he became a top advocate in the PTSD treatment and suicide prevention world. He founded a great group called High Grounds Veterans Advocacy, which is how we met. Uh, and interestingly enough, then went to the Vietnam Veterans of America, where he's the chief investigator and associate director for policy and government affairs. Now, this led to a successful campaign to remove the expiration date of veterans education benefits, thank God, creating what was now known as the Forever GI Bill which is a hugely impactful piece of legislation. His work inspired two congressional investigations and in the effects of disinformation and extremism on veterans, which we're going to talk about. Now, Goldsmith earned a degree from Columbia University, so he's clearly an underachiever in 2020. <laughs> and while working, he did this, by the way, while working full-time for VVA and running high ground. Uh, so immediately following the attack on the Capitol on January 6, 2021, he founded an organization called Sparvarius LLC, Services Able Veteran-Owned Small Business, which employs veterans in detecting and disrupting inf disinformation and extreme extremism campaigns that seek to erode America's democracy. Now, where do we are today? He also founded recently Task Force Butler, which ex the goal is to exponentially expand opportunities to train and engage veterans in a, quite a hobby of maintaining our democracy. Now, just last week, Task Force Butler released a massive report on the illegal activities of Patriot Front called Project Blacklisted with an exclusive story from NBC, and then many others followed up. So, Chris, man, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to On Democracy, and thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. It's awesome to be here. This is uh, a, a great time for, for you to be relaunching the show. Thanks, man. I really, I'm excited. It's been, uh, the reception's been wonderful. It's a, a lot of fun. So, you know, I, I think we've known each other. I think we met in person at uh, Student Veterans of America reception in 2017. It was the first time we actually met in person for Kirsten Downs. She just rode across America, <laughs> 3,000 miles, ended up working for me. Dr. Kristen, Kirsten Downs ended up working for me at my old firm. Uh, I think that was the first time we met, right? But you'd already been in the fight for a while in 2017. I We could have met before that. I think so? Um, yeah, because wow. I were talking we started working for Vietnam Veterans America in 2016. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, so it might have been a couple. Hung out quite a bit. Might have been a year. Well, you know, I used to drink that. a lot. Then. I think I drank a lot then, so you never know. What <laughs> I think yeah. we all did. Yeah, that, yeah. That it was, it was right. that time. Anyway, <laughs> now <laughs> I had the privilege to work with you on your efforts to build out Task Force Butler and, and veterans fighting fascism. So let's start there. You know, let's just start the most current stuff. Yeah. You know, what is your mission? What what are the, what are they? What are these two entities, especially Task mm -hmm. Force Butler? And what's your mission? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. So the goal of um, of task force Butler is to impose social and ec economic costs within the bounds of the law, uh, on those adhering to the tenets of fascism. So what does that mean? You know, I'm, I, uh, I always, you know, during interviews want to make sure that I help people understand that I'm not being hyperbolic. When I use the term fascism, I'm not describing Republicans. I'm describing 
some Republicans, I'm talking about people who are ethno-nationalists who believe in, you know, a, uh, a godlike figure who's, who could do no wrong, who, you know, ought to run the country uh, unopposed without being held responsible for anything. I'm talking about people who, um, you know, believe in, in strong social uh, economic uh, regimentation, nationalized, uh, you know, uh, socialism. Right. That, that is right. Nazism. Right. That's where the word Nazism comes from, yep. national socialism. So um, Task Force Butler Institute started because I, I started uh, working with a couple of vets that um, I served with as in a hobby of joining militias and fascist gangs like Patriot Front and sabotaging them from the inside. <laughs> Um, took me a while to learn how to, how to, how I could figure out how to get paid to do that work. <laughs> so I started the business Sparvarius and it very quickly, uh, you know, immediately after the election of uh, the insurrection became clear that there's a huge demand for veterans who do this kind of work, maybe right. not infiltration, but at least studying these far right groups and working against them. So, um, as a, as a pilot program at, at Human Rights First, um, okay. we worked with Veterans for American Ideals and, uh, and my team at Sparvarius of, of you know, subcontractors to launch this nonprofit. And it's very small right now. You know, we right now have 10 volunteers. Actually, I think as of this week, 13 volunteers were onboarding some new folks. Um, but last week, our release of Project Blacklisted was our first example of a deliverable. This, this is what we can do, 10 volunteers in our free time, a 238-page document that lays out not just one case against the fascist gang Patriot Front, but multiple, the federal cases and three different incidents in Pennsylvania, in Idaho, and in Boston, all of where they, they committed, um, if they didn't actually commit violence, they were involved in a conspiracy that was undermined when they all got arrested uh, right. in the case of Idaho. Right. Yeah, Idaho seems significant, right? That was the first comment. We, they finally got pulled over. They got arrested. They got unmasked. Thankfully, there were cameras there. It seems to be a big turning point for it and, and the efforts to turn it back, along with, as you mentioned, January 6th. You know, I was involved in some of the efforts to identify the January 6th conspirators. Remember, there was, there was quite a few groups of, you know, capital hunters and others who were, who were aggressively, you know, looking at I spent quite a bit of time in a group um, that has, I think you're part of it, and then, you know, Malcolm Nance was there, and and where we would look at these guys' gear and say, all right, that guy's a cosplayer. <laughs> you know, that guy's mm -hmm. actual, that guy's clearly a veteran. This idiot wore his military patches. So, so it seemed like that was an accelerant and then here we have Idaho. Was that a key? It seemed like a key point for you as you went forward, Project Black. So, so what does it do? What's in that report? And and, and what are the what really makes it special? And and the, I, I think we talked about the other day the fact that blacklisted has some connotations with it. Where does mm -hmm. put me in the framework for that? Yeah. So so the name blacklisted came from our intent. Um, this this um, this fascist group and it's self described fascist group, right. neo-Nazi group. Patriot, yeah, Patriot Front. Front is not, you know, they're not pretending. They, they're of, of the groups, you know, Oath Keepers like to pretend, that, oh no, we're supporting the Constitution. It seems to me the Patriot Front's, they've been very clear where they support and what their motivations are, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, they don't talk about the Constitution. No. They talk about the nation, right? right? They're, they're nationalists. Families. They're white nationalists. White right? families, right. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, so Patriot Front uh, 
is most known for these kind of like clownish marches. They're all right. wearing white masks. You know, it looks goofy, but so does the KKK, you know, and their white right. hoods. And we've seen KKK murder people over the last couple hundred right. years, right? So right. just because they look goofy doesn't mean that they don't actually cause harm. So they do these marches, uh, anti-fascists or just regular people who don't consider themselves anti-fascists will be like, hey, fuck you racists, or cops will show up and then Patriot Front literally runs away. They pile into the back of U-Haul trucks and they drive away. Yep. And, you know, sometimes during these marches, they'll seek out and target uh, a lone black male. Yep. They'll assault him. They'll throw a smoke grenade. They'll use weapons, all sorts of shit. And, and these are kids. They're, you know, I use the kids not to excuse them. They're in their 20s, right? They're like what I was when I served in the army. Capable of doing a lot of fucking violence, but still maybe a little young and stupid, right? So these these guys um, growing up, you know, as younger millennials and as Gen Z, they're masters of uh, of social media, right? So they know how to capture video, capture photos, and present uh, what they refer to as propaganda. So they will attack someone. They'll physically assault someone who's alone. And there's literally 200 of these fucking fascists. Yep. And then they'll post a video and make it look as if this lone person tried to pick a fight with 200 armed individuals <laughs> by themselves. Right. So our goal is to dismantle this propaganda and tell the true story of Patriot Front, that they are not just a criminal fascist gang, but they're engaged in stuff like racketeering. You know, they are moving money. They're traveling across state lines. They're breaking like dozens of laws right. with every single action that they engage in. And that was what came out of the Idaho, right? Most of those guys, none of those guys were from Idaho. They had crossed, come from multiple states. They'd rented the vehicles mm -hmm. separately. Uh, They're using cutouts. And, and I want to circle back to something you said that I thought was really interesting is the disinformation part. I think that's what's different for me compared to historic, which we'll talk about historic militias and all is these guys are very savvy or at least semi savvy, I should say, of understanding the use of social media, the use of cameras that they, they film everything, right? There's a way. And we saw that the Capitol, mm -hmm. right? Everybody had half a camera there. Everybody's a journalist, you know, I'm not, I'm not an insurrectionist. I'm a journalist, right? Every the freaking iPhones are journalists yeah. now, but, <laughs> but it seems like that's part of their effort, right? It is to create the fear and that's the goal, right? It's to create the fear also to create the idea they're bigger than numbers. So, I mean, what kind of numbers are we talking about? Do you think that their goals look like they're bigger than they are? Because what, what stunned me about the Idaho thing and then also about the report is there really isn't that many, is there? I mean, the core, how, how big is the core group, would you say, of Patriot Front, really? So they have been perpetually stuck at a, at a, a level of like 200 to 240 members. Wow. Which... Which is a lot of fucking Nazis, but <laughs> well, 50 more than more than one's a lot of fucking Nazis in my opinion. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but they want you to they you want know, us they want us to fucking the think states. they're giant, right? They want us to think they're yeah. thousands of guys and it's a national movement. It's just two hundred assholes who you know try to get away with being anonymous. Yeah, and well, so part of the so while they're they are a relatively small group uh, compared to say the Proud Boys, mm -hmm. of which you know there's probably two hundred in in New York City, right? Um, these, this group is extremely demanding. It's, it's a cult, right? You, you have, if you join it, you give your entire life to Patriot Front, right? Wow. So these fascist kids are a bunch of fucking losers. They have no actual real lives, no real relationships. They, so they have to maintain constant contact with, you know, with the leaders of Patriot Front, with this 23 year old kid, Thomas Rousseau, the, the guy with the cowboy hat and the belt buckle. 23. Right. They have to 
buy stickers from Tommy Russo, right? <laughs> Here's the racketeering part. The grift. You have to. If you're a member of Patriot Front, you have to send Tommy Russo money, and then he mails you stickers. And then you put up those stickers. You take pictures of those stickers, you know, in and around your hometown to prove that you are engaging in weekly activism. And then you upload it onto their rocket chat server. And you know, we've They're had that here in St. Louis. I know it. that I keep getting access to. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's the funny thing. Isn't it? Well, that, we had that right in St. Louis, right? One of the, one of the guys that got caught in Idaho is actually from here. Not far from where we're sitting right now. As a matter of fact, I think about, uh, he's in Chesterfield. If I remember correctly, his mother ran for school board. Yeah. Uh, so we have a local member right here in the St. Louis area. Yeah. So there's, um, you know, these, these guys, they keep getting doxxed uh, by anonymous anti-fascists online. We have, my team has identified a bunch on our own. We're collecting every dox and compiling them into uh, how you mentioned the blacklist, right? Our goal is to make it so that, uh, and we're not engaged in brand protect, protection, right? We're not a for-profit enterprise, right? but we want to protect democracy. Right. So if we take a list of Patriot Front members and we say, hey, here's a bunch of events where U-Haul or Penske trucks have been used to terrorize minority communities. Right. Right. Like Philadelphia, Boston, Idaho, dozens of other places. Yep, right. New York. They were in New York. They were. We, we go to U-Haul and say, here are 200 members of, of Patriot Front. Do you want to continue renting trucks to them? Yes or no? Like, does U-Haul support neo-Nazis, fascists, the Patriot Front gang? Right. I would suspect that U-Haul doesn't want to support Nazis. But, you know, if their tools, if their trucks keep getting rented, we're going to have to start putting pressure on these companies to stop providing services to, you know, to want to be terrorists. Right, right. And that's the question. I mean, it, it is using the economic tools at our you know, disposal, right? It is exposing the light of day to everyone. And, and we have seen uh, it, it does work. I mean, there's no question at all that this, this kind of pressure campaign works. Uh, and so you've got the giant report. How has how is law enforcement, FBI? I mean, so first of all, who'd you send it to and what's been the reaction? OK, so actually, I'm going to cheat. I've got my list right that's here. Right. Um, no, it's, we're allowed to use uh, so. <laughs> City of Philadelphia, their district attorney, State, uh, Pennsylvania State Attorney General, the Boston uh, District Attorney, which is actually Suffolk County, Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Attorney General, the uh, federal office, the um, uh, uh, DOJ in Boston, the Civil Rights Division, which got referred to the FBI, um, the Coeur d'Alene, the City of Coeur d'Alene's district attorney, um, the attorney general of Idaho and the Kootenai County uh, prosecutor in, in Idaho. Since we sent those reports to those folks, we've received a confirmation of receipt from just about everybody. Um, And we got a call from the FBI late, late last week, um, same week that we released the report saying, Hey, the DOJ got your report. They asked for us to talk to you about it. So um, we also have spoken to We've also spoken to the Massachusetts attorney general's office right. um, and, and there, you know, no one can tell us about investigations, right? We are not a law enforcement. We're just a, a bunch of vets trying to do good work. Um, but from the conversations that I've had with law enforcement, they're like pretty excited about having all this evidence and the case laid out for them. Our goal, and we're lay people, none of us are lawyers, right? 
but we'll, what we lack in, uh, in legal experience will make up for in, in trying really fucking hard. Right. So a bunch of vets got in there, looked at the Charlottesville lawsuit and basically just did like a, a section by section, um, template and, you know, filled in the blanks, hoping that whether it's on the civil or the criminal side or both, uh, that some smart attorneys could copy and paste our work, maybe edit it a little bit and, and, you know, file suit or file charges. I love it. And, and, and going back that, you know, it's funny. I love the fact this is a veteran led effort. This is a veterans doing this work. You know, it, it's really been, you know, we know from the capital attack, right? Some at one point, I think 10% of all those charged were veterans uh, to include, Oh my God, an active duty Marine major from Quantico was there holding the door open. So, <laughs> so it, it is it, one of the things I've been saying quite a bit is that, not you know not all vets but you know it clearly there, there there's a there's a there's a movement within our community to push back say no this is not us these are not our values these are not the oath we swore you know i've talked to a lot of you you know your colleagues from the task force and now and and and, and of course obviously the work i do there's so many of us who are fighting back against this because not what we stand for i mean what's been your i mean obviously we have our our bro vets who attack us but how, how do you feel is the community rallying i mean what's what's the feel within the veteran community in your opinion right now with all this work uh, I, I think that there was a tremendous need, like the sense that I'm getting from the response is that there was a tremendous need for this. Right. There was a tremendous desire for this, but nobody quite knew how to do it. And, and, you know, people have been asking me when I was doing, you know, a, as, as a hobby sabotaging Patriot front, like, Hey, how can I do this? And I was like, I'm not going to teach you how to join a neo-Nazi organization. That's not safe. Right. Uh, when I started doing the business, like I just, couldn't get enough money to hire enough people to do it. Right. So I figured, well, these skills are teachable. Yep. There are a bunch of veterans who want to help me. And now that we've, you know, got this nonprofit, um, we've had way more applicants than we can possibly handle. We, we just simply uh, within a week of even first talking about this, we had close to 80 applicants and we just had to stop advertising that we had an application open because we simply just weren't ready. So we had really done a soft launch over the summer. Yep. I talked about it twice and then stopped because I was like, Oh, hold on. Like this is way bigger than, than I thought. Yeah. So I kind of backed up, talked to a bunch of mentors like you uh, to figure out, you know, how can I build the infrastructure for a real, like potentially big nonprofit? Um, and we, we just got there. We just got there like last week. Now we're at a point where we can start onboarding new members. We have our training uh, programs laid out. We're starting to develop our own technology. I can't tell you what the wizards do, but like I have a whole bunch of smart data people. Well, I have Matt who are, here behind us. Who are, yeah, they, they do magic. Just I don't do know. things. I'm a human intelligence guy. I could, you know, bald head, tattoos. Like, you do kind of stick out. Big beard. I can blend in with the white supremacists. I'm not a tech guy though. So, you know, we each have our, our different skill sets. So yeah, I, we've I got everything know. from a guy who flew planes for the Navy in the eighties. Uh, he served the year that I was born to Marine Corps machine gunners who are, you know, like it, it's just a, a total mix of all sorts of different people, all sorts of different backgrounds. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your former rank was, what your branch was, whatever, like we've got a mission. And you know, the way that, the way that this feels is, uh, it's kind of like a team Rubicon, right? right. Like team Rubicon's different from other veterans organization, mission focused, like 
when there's a hurricane like there is in Florida, right. Team Rubicon deploys a bunch of folks down there and they actually do stuff to help people. Not every one of us wants to be swinging a chainsaw. You know, I've almost caught my, cut my thumb off once that kind of pretty you know, made me myself, a little hesitant. Yes. <laughs> None of us, you know, a lot of us have bad backs. We can't be throwing trees around, yeah. right? But you can sit behind a computer and you could, you know, go into neo-Nazi chat rooms and document evidence of criminality. Like that's, that's a pretty light lift for most people. So, so that's what we're offering is right. an opportunity to be proactive, not just defend democracy, democracy, defending democracy is important, but we're at war right now. And if no one's playing offense on our side, we're not going to win. That's, so that's, that's, that's what right task force Butler is. And you're going on offense for democracy. So, you know, the, how, I mean, I have to ask, how do we get to this point? You know, we've seen these militias, well, I mean, look, Timothy McVeigh was a supporter of a you know, militia when he bombed the Murrah building in 1993, right? After the Waco standoff, these groups feel different, right? I mean, you know, they, they, they're clearly emboldened. I mean, it, it is, it is it the politics of the moment. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about the history, like I, you know, here, you know, I have my books, right? So, you know, strong men, uh, by Ruth Bangiat, who is, I'm hoping to have this guest here soon. You know, she talks about these movements. She talks about the supporters. I mean, you, you look at the history, you know, one of my other projects is the beer hall project, as we've mentioned before, and you and I mm -hmm. talked about it and, you know, as, and, and the sort of the theme with the beer hall project has been, and this has happened before, right. That in history you had, you know, we, we had Mussolini had his black shirt squadistas, which one of the first that then Hitler had his brown shirt SA troops, Chavez and Maduro had their Bolivar, uh, Bolivarian militias, the Chavistas over and over. We see these unofficial militias inciting violence as a key part of these authoritarian strongman movements. I mean, do you see these groups that you're dealing with as a precedent to that? Is that their precedent? And is that the danger to create that? I mean, is their goal to create this chaos to foment or, or what do you think is the goal in the larger yes. picture? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. One word answer. Yes. Yeah. These, so groups, especially like the ones like Patriot Front are, um, explicitly self-described fascist. They read things like Hitler and Mussolini and, you know, uh, fascist philosophers. Right. So they're, they're not like accidentally falling into fascism and racism. Yeah, they, they're following the blueprint. Like, they, they are very much studying the fascist movements, the rise of Hitler. So this kid, Tommy Rousseau, the, the cowboy buckle kid, right? He's like, if you take Hitler, like you literally read Mein Kampf as a teenager and you grow up in Gen Z when Instagram is like accessible when you're five years old, you take those two skill sets. That's what Tommy Rousseau is, right? Mm -hmm. So he's like Hitler plus Kim Kardashian. Great, great, you know, uh, propagandist creating a brand for himself the way that Kim Kardashian does. You know, he just paints everything in red, white, and blue. Like literally red and blue filters is like their shtick. Hmm. He follows the, the movement building that Mussolini and Hitler did, the demonization, the um, authorization, the victimhood narrative, the same shit that like, you know, Trump and the Republicans do, except Rousseau and, and the rest of these, you know, fascist gangs are doing it much more deliberately. I would never accuse Trump of being deliberately fascist. He's just a fucking dumb animal who's acting out of instinct, right? There's that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I see what you're saying. And, and they use, and those historic militias we talked about, those were the power, um, 
ramps because what happened is those leaders, those fascist leaders then said, look, look at the chaos. Uh, look at the socialists. Mm-hmm. The, the, now it's the Antifa's, right? It's, 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 the, the, it's right there for you. You have pl- politicians like Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, oh, look, I'm, I'm fighting socialism. Defeat socialism. It, 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 it's, it's so obvious to the average person. They're using the exact same blueprint. And these militias mm-hmm. are exactly that's – the, that's the people in the streets to cause the chaos. How yeah. do we fight I that? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Every time you call out a Nazi, they're like, oh, you're a socialist. You're a communist. Like, bro – I'm a, I'm a combat vet and an entrepreneur. Like I'm a businessman. Right? I <laughs> like, yeah, I, I start businesses and start nonprofits. Like that's what, what is socialist? What is communist communist about it? Like, do you know what these words mean? Either they do and they're trying to gaslight everyone or they're just stupid. And most of them are just stupid. Well, it's but, funny, you know, you know when, there we, are... when, we, when we announced this show, Chris, I, I, on Twitter, there's some, he said, claims to be an 85-year-old man. I'll believe when I see it, it's probably a Russian. But he's like, <laughs> oh, look at this, this guy, Wellman. He has a Libby. You know, West Point produced people like Ike and, and Patton, and they got these libs. You know, when, when the Republicans take over, getting rid of these guys, I'm like, Bro, I went to freaking West Point under Reagan. I went to war both Bushes, not just one. I, I saw both Bushes sent me yeah. to war, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> totally, you know, Libby. I, you know, Reagan said morning in America, and I ran my ass off to West Point. But, yeah, you caught me. I'm a total effing fucking socialist. You know, you know it, it, yep. it, it is easy to be worried about this. You know, I I, I worry. You know, obviously, that's why we're talking. That's why I have a freaking podcast. It's why I did the work I did, you know, in the last, you knew me, I had, I had a PR firm focused on veterans issues and it, it all went away. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my very vocal never Trumpism caused all kinds of grief for folks who didn't want to hire me anymore. <laughs> you know, you know, it, I, it's easy to be worried this moon's going to get worse. You know, what is next for these groups and the fight against them? I mean, what's, what's next? Lawsuits. Okay. Lots of lawsuits, lots of indictments. So our goal is, uh, is to take the Charlottesville lawsuit integrity first for America, basically paved paved the path, created the, uh, the blueprint, however, whatever metaphor you want to use. Right. Um, they showed us how we can hold white supremacist groups, uh, accountable. If law enforcement is not doing it, you can still do it on the civil side. Now, because we are veterans, we uh, we have an advantage that Integrity First for America did not have, right? We as veterans are able to to yield the privilege that that comes with, right? Right. Me, the the bald, white, bearded guy. If I get on TV and I start saying the FBI is making a choice not to arrest neo Nazis, when I wrote a two hundred and thirty eight page report documenting their many many violations of federal statute. The FBI listens. Why? Because I'm white and because I'm a vet and I'm going to wield that identity against them. Yep. I love it now. So, so that's, that's what's next. We're going to bully the FBI into doing the right <laughs> shit. I love it. Now, you know, one of the things we, I met, I saw you today, you did a Twitter thread, I think about, Hey, look, if you're part of Patriot Front, if you're part of this gang, there is a way out, right? I mean, you're, you're telling them very directly, you know, there's a way out, mm-hmm. you know, what it, let's let's say for some reason, then they'll probably watch this because they're they're probably stalking you pretty bad. What are the options for our friends on Patriot Front? If they're in that gang, they're twenty three years old. They're in mom's basement. She's really pissed. I remember one guy got kicked out of his mom's house or he got arrested from in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly. Um, what are their options at this point, Chris? What do you recommend for a, a kid who's got himself sucked into this stupid world? So there's there's an easy choice and there's a hard choice. Okay. The easy choice is that they reach out to you know if they want to work with us and and you know, potentially the evidence that they give us, any testimony that they give us could be used in the court of law, could come to their personal benefit. 
when the FBI does start making moves and starts making arrests. We can hand over that evidence to law enforcement. Law enforcement might be nice to those people. Can't guarantee it, but they might. Um, they can also go to Eradicate Hate. Eradicate Hate is a nonprofit that helps people leave the hate movement. Helps you, and they and Eradicate Hate recognizes that it's it's not a club. It's a lifestyle. It it becomes cult like, like your entire life depends on these other white supremacists, right? So eradicate hate helps people get jobs, helps people with housing, helps people with all sorts of, you know, the basic necessities to be a human being. Um, and they'll help people protect their reputations, you know, show that this person wants to be rehabilitated. The second choice is they could buddy up next to Tommy Russo, the 23 year old loser, you know, in, in the cowboy hat from Haslett, Texas and say, no, I would never betray my buddy, Tommy. And then Tommy is going to get arrested and he's going to raise a bunch of money because he's the only one with a platform. He controls all the social media accounts, the website for, for Patriot front. The white supremacists will start making, you know, from around the world, yep. will start making donations and crypto and all, maybe even million dollar donations to Tommy Rousseau. But do you think that's going to go to the 220 other members around the country? No. no, those gang members are screwed. So when Tommy Rousseau gets hit with, you know, a civil suit on, on the federal level, civil suits across the country, state level, and each of these individual members are named as co-conspirators for, you know, say the 200 person march in Philly where they attacked the black man or a 200 person march in Boston where they attacked the black man. If you attended that march, you know who attacked either of those men. You're now a co-conspirator. Yep. Like these are serious crimes. That's 10 years. Conspiracy is 10 years at the federal level. Right. And then the state can still prosecute. So, you know, people can either do that. They can marry Thomas Rousseau and spend the next 10, 15 years in jail, you know, and, and maybe get out then on good behavior, or they can help us with the investigation. We can bring an end to Patriot Front and hopefully, you know, organizations like Life After Hate can help them to legit rehabilitate their lives, put themselves back together and start moving forward with their lives. Wow. That's great. So eradicate hate online, right? Easy to find. Um, mm -hmm. so we did have one question from Twitter. Um, and it's, 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 I think we may have touched on it, but I want to bring it out because I, I always try to appreciate everybody following us by the way, follow on democracy pod on Twitter. Uh, will jailing domestic white nationalists and Nazis be enough of a deterrent, deterrent to their enrollment? Um, uh, she says she's comparing it to Al Qaeda, you know, where more joined after some mm -hmm. got arrested or killed. It's an interesting question because there is a, there's now Al Qaeda, these terrorist groups, you know, it, it's funny. So I don't know if you, you know my background. I think you've heard. I, I had my interpreter was murdered. Mm -hmm. uh, my first interpreter was murdered, and I got his family out. And I was recently talking to his widow about when Bassam got murdered. They what they did first was they kidnapped him from a store, and then they held him for three days before they killed him. And they actually called her every day on from his cell phone, threatening, you know, saying you're never going to see him again. This is it. And you know what she said to me just there? This is just a couple weeks ago. She said, "You know what struck me, Fred, is they were kids." They were like teenagers. I swear to God, I don't think one kid, mm -hmm. his voice hadn't gotten deep yet. You know, I mean, they were, they were just kids who got sucked into mm -hmm. this terrorist network, Al Qaeda, uh, Al Qaeda, and, and, and sucked into that world. And, and I, think you, I think we've heard the same thing here. So, you know, it, 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 will jailing be a deterrent? Can we, can we stop this movement? Yes, jailing is a deterrent, and so are civil suits. Okay. You know, the, the, the defendants of the Charlottesville neo Nazi lawsuit will be impoverished for the rest of their lives. Uh, 
And that taking individual, like not every neo-Nazi is going to get sued, right? But taking those who are out in front, who, you know, all of the neo-Nazis know because they're like influencers to them, right? And you make them poor for the rest of their lives. You're showing the rest of those neo-Nazis that, you know, if, if you want to raise a, a white family or whatever, you're not going to be able to. Because after you get sued for whether it's damaging property or committing violence and your name gets destroyed and associated with these neo-Nazi groups, you're never going to get a good job again. You're never going to go to school. You're never going to be in peace for the rest of your life. So that's what, that's what the spirit of blacklisted is. If you want to be on the blacklist, stay in Patriot Front. We'll find out who you are. We'll identify you. And we'll give that information to our partners in, in nonprofit spaces, law firms, uh, even to law enforcement. If you want to stay off the blacklist, you can reach out to Task Force Butler and you can participate in our investigation and make sure that you are part of ending a hate group. You know, it's, it's not just the jailing, it's the impoverishment due to lawsuits. That is a serious disincentive. These people like guns, guns are expensive. Ammunition is very expensive. You can't afford that shit if you have a judgment over your head for the rest of your life. Or if you're convicted felon, like, you can't have them anyway. Yeah. It's up now, if you owe $24 million mm-hmm. to a plaintiff, you're never going to make that money. So every time you get a check from anyone, it goes away. Yeah. So, you know, they have two choices, either reform or suffer the social and economic consequences of being a neo-Nazi. Yep. You know, we, we talk a lot about, um, I think for the larger picture for average Americans, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, oh, you know, what would I have done if I'd been in Germany in the thirties, right? <laughs> you know, and, and this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Um, the, the signs are all there. There is, we face a moment in history right now in the United States of America, of all places where these openly fascist, these openly white nationalist groups are, are parading and literally parading in our streets. I think you as an mm-hmm. American, when people ask me, what could they could do? What could they do things like this? They can be part of task force, but they can donate. I mean, let's, I'm, I'll be very direct. Yeah. You won't, you're much more subtle than I am. Look folks, if you're watching this, and you've got a couple of dollars in your pocket, I would need to, it's a nonprofit organization. Please give it to Task Force Butler. I know they're doing great work. You know, that money drives a lot of things in this world. If you want to fight back against fascism and you've got about 25 bucks in your pocket, I know they'll put it to good use. I guarantee that. Um, so yeah. it, it, it is well, that way. Go ahead. You know, let me be really direct. Please do. If, if, we, if we find a big fish donor who can give us $550,000, that's what it would take to take my staff from my, my for-profit business and just move us over to the nonprofit model and make us sustainable for the first year. That would, that would allow us to pay for all of our technological needs. It would make everybody, all, all of these veterans who work for me are making a living wage and we're doing good stuff. Project Blacklisted, 238 pages, you know, looks like a legal document, is apparently going to be used in a whole bunch of indictments and, and lawsuits. That was 10 volunteers in our free time. Wow. Imagine what we could do if we had staff. There you go. I mean, I have a business to run, right? Like I have clients. Project Blasted, Blacklisted was something I did on nights and weekends. If I could do this stuff all day, every day, I'll take down all the neo-Nazi groups. It'll take some time. But if we can hire staff, like, let's go. I mean, big fish donors, you want to talk to us, please. <laughs> there you have Taskforcebutler.org. Well, you know, at, at taskforcebutler.org, I, I, I feel the same way. I, I believe there are people who are passionate about fighting back against extremism. They talk a good, they talk about it, but look, 
money talks and, and, and this takes activity. People got to eat still. Right. So we can't believe if you really do believe in this democracy, if you really believe we're going to have to fight back, it is, yes, we have, we're in the middle of the midterms. We're going to have to, I, I, I can't emphasize enough supporting some of our candidates. I've got some stickers on my, uh, my computer, <laughs> but also this is the fight. You know, this is the fight of our lifetime. There was a chance in 1930s or not really 1920s Germans for accurate, but <laughs> you know, that's people forget. That's when the whole thing started. You know, mm-hmm. there was a chance. Do we really want to wait till it's too late? If you're sitting on, if you're sitting on your money, I hope thinking, you know, it's more than commercials, right? It's more than, you know, it, it is about donating to folks like yourselves. It's donating to eradicate hate. It's getting these people off the streets. We can, we can save a generation before we go down that track and save, save the United States of America. So I'm thrilled. Um, what did I miss? What, what, you got a good point in there. Is there anything I'm missing? And we've had a great conversation. I, uh, what else, should, what, should, what did I fail to ask you, my friend? So, um, I'll tell you what's next. Okay. So there is, there's this guy named Joshua Macias. He's the founder of Vets for Trump. I've actually been following him since around 2017, 2018, when working for Vietnam Veterans America, I was doing my, my troll report on right. different ways that uh, foreign entities target troops and vets. I found him and Vets for Trump trying to work with Macedonian trolls to interfere in our election, right? Joshua Macias used to be named Joshua Bloom changed his name because he kept getting sued, I think as a realtor, maybe. So he changed his last name, right? That's who this guy is. He's a Navy vet, like kind of served, not a combat vet, but makes it kind of, he says things like he's survived the firefights. He's never been in a firefight, right? So stolen valor, typical Trump vet, right? Right. Uh, This is one of the two QAnon maniacs who got arrested in Philly um, right. just count. after the election, During maybe the, maybe the night of the election, yep. trying to stop the steal, right? With Virginia bunch, drove from Virginia in a Hummer with the QAnon stickers on it and a bunch of guns and a samurai sword. Cause these people are fucking morons <laughs> trying to stop the steal. Right. So he, his case is just about to start right around the corner from that. I am right now, like, as we're recording this, I'm going to go, as soon as we're done, I'm going to go back to finishing this report. I'm creating a brief for the, uh, the prosecuting, the district attorney in Philly and for the January 6th committee that shows Joshua Macias on January 6th with the insurrection in the background. He's at the Capitol after being a VIP for the Trump speech, right? right? Chief organizer of, of the, of the riot. He was with, um, Stuart Rhodes and Enrique Tario the night before in, in, uh, in DC, as the riots going on, he is talking into a radio. We don't know who's on the other side of the radio. Uh, and he says, you know, can you see me now? And there's a bunch of cameras in front of him. The person responds, I guess, in the affirmative, he stands up on a, on a platform with the Capitol riot in the background and starts talking directly to Trump saying president Trump invoked the insurrection act, not to stop the insurrection that was happening, but to empower vets for Trump, the proud boys, the oath keepers and the rest of their co-conspirators to become Trump's black shirts, brown shirts, actual armed militia engaged in a violent insurrection. So for some reason, the feds have not arrested Macy's. He's only dealing with this city of Philadelphia case. This report in the context of the Oath Keeper hearing that's going on right now, where they're talking about the Insurrection Act and how they thought the Insurrection Act allowed them to be an armed militia and kill Americans. Makes no sense. I, you know, I, 
am pretty sure that the video is damning, like talking to Trump, say, in, invoke the Insurrection Act. My buddies Tario and, and right. Elmer Stewart Rhodes, like, want to take their guns and start killing Which members they had, of Congress. they had stashed in a hotel in Virginia, as we know. So I'll be publishing that, uh, you know, after I send it to the prosecutors, after I send it to the Jan 6 committee, I'll, I'll give it to the media. And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, people start talking about, you know, what, why isn't Vets for Trump something that's been mentioned during these January 6 hearings? Why haven't the feds charged Joshua Macias when he already took guns to Philly to stop the steal? He was a chief organizer of the insurrection. Like, why is this guy not in jail? So again, Task Force Butler, if we have to be about bullying the FBI into arresting neo-Nazis and insurrections, <laughs> that, that's it. Like you want to, if you're a vet, you want to bully the uh, the FBI into doing the right thing, join us. Like use our privilege as veterans to bully the FBI into arresting neo-Nazis and insurrectionists. Like what's more fun than that? I'm a fan. I'm a Lincoln Project guy. You know, I'm all about that. <laughs> so it's good uh, yeah, trouble. Yeah. There's a, you know, that's the famous phrase, right? You know, it caused good trouble. And I think it sounds like you're doing a lot mm-hmm. of good trouble. So, so where can we find you online, my friend? So I am at Chris spelled weird because my parents sabotaged me early on. Uh, it's at K-R-I-S Goldsmith 85 on Twitter uh, to follow uh, Task Force Butler. It's uh, at Team TF Butler. Um, and you know, you can visit our website. Uh, if you're a vet, you're interested in joining, you can sign the interest form. Again, we have way too many applicants to get everybody, but we will take a look at the list. And if you want to donate, if you're a big fish donor, please reach out directly. You know, you can, you can, <laughs> if you're, if DMs you're average, are you open. snap your fingers <laughs> and you could, you could have, you know, 10 veterans who do nothing but hunt fascists all day for a living. Like, and we would love to do it. Yeah, I agree. I would be great. I mean, honestly, there and I've met some wonderful people in my work and the politics that are out there that would that would that just need to know about this. Uh, so I hope we can help get the word out. So again, uh, if you got a couple dollars in your pocket, folks, please, I urge you to donate to this organization. Uh, I I know the guys in charge, and uh, I may even know some of the people supporting them. <laughs> and I can tell you that they put the work, they'll put this money to good use, and we'll make a difference in the world. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. it was, uh, as always, you can always find me at FP Wellman on Twitter. Our show is at. Uh, at on Moxie pod on, on Twitter. Uh, the most important thing, of course, we're on YouTube where the show will be broadcast. I uh, hope you'll like and subscribe and share and subscribe and subscribe. <laughs> and, uh, that'll be the key to everything. Share it with your friends. Uh, if you like the show, tell, again, tell your friends. This has been a lot of fun. Chris, I've been looking forward to this conversation forever. I'm so glad I got the show back up and running. I'm so glad you agreed to be my first oh, yeah, my first on-air guest in beautiful Half Coast Studios. Thanks, Matt's back there, nodding vigorously. Uh, we'll return next week for another episode. I'm really excited about next. You'll love this one, Chris. I got my good friend and American hero, Alex Vindman. Lieutenant Colonel retired Alex Vindman. Awesome. Right, Alex is going to join us. We'll talk about Ukraine, the fight for freedom across the world. And of course, the fight that he did. Um, I'm so proud to call Alex a friend, a dear friend, and 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 uh have his book right here. So again, thanks for joining us here at On Democracy Pod. It's I am Fred Wellman. We'll see you next week, Chris. Good luck in the fight, man. Have a great day. Thanks a lot, brother. That's all I've got. Thanks for all the support, man. I appreciate you, brother.